Good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight. I hope you're as excited about this new series as I am. Give me just a quick minute and we will give you the introduction as to what we're doing with this new series. Give me just a second. There it is. Okay, let me click on this. All right. Let me share it in my Allflex Welcome page really fast. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Everything changes. Everything changes in uh, everything. It's so crazy. All right. So we have a spectacular show for you, and I'm really excited uh, to have you be a part of it. All Fox Welcome was created to put a voice to stories that need to be heard. Our name is intentional. If you're going to judge a word, what else are you judging? Tonight, I'm asking you to share this show. Share it in your groups. Share it on your pages. I've never been so open to ask for your help in sharing a story. But I am hoping that you will see the value in this new series called Real Talk with Real Fucking People. I see that only for me, the way that I can make a difference is to talk to people who will talk to me, to have a loving, compassionate conversation and to share them with you. Yes, I may get uncomfortable asking some of these questions. Yes, they may be hard to hear the answers. I pray you will stay with us through the show and every show on our series highlighting our black communities and our police communities. Tonight's guest, some of you may judge immediately on his appearance. Let me start with this question. You were young once, right? Did you not make choices looking back that made you who you are today? I'm super excited to kickstart our show with this gent who has put in the work. The work to become more than what he was told. He created a new life. He is doing more with his life to speak not only to the gentlemen in his community, but the people in his community to show them that they too can rise. Please welcome Derwin Lamb or Coach D. Wait a minute. Where'd he go? Are you there? Hold on. You're here, but now I can't find you. There you are. Okay. There you are. All right. I've got you. No, I don't. There you are. Yes. Yes. He's here. We've had technical <laughs> difficulties. So just so you all know, he cannot see me, <laughs> but I, we can see him. So he's what he's doing this um, a little blind. Sorry. And so Derwin, I'm just so thrilled uh, for the connection. And Adair is, I believe, here watching as well. So thank you, Adair, for the connection. So welcome to the show. Um, I start the Thank show you. the same every time, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change that because I think it creates value in where we are and and what this looks like. So please right. tell us where you are from and how you were raised. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, been here pretty much my whole life. I moved around a bit uh, growing up, but for the most part, this is my hometown, my city, where I'm from, where I was born, where I was raised most of my life. And then how were you raised? Because um, your your mom was a single mom for a little bit, wasn't she? Yeah, for a little bit. And then I had my dad, um, which, you know, the man that I that I took on his last name that came in and, and me and my sister and um, took us in as his own, which we was his own, and showed love and never made me feel like I wasn't his own and showed me love and from the jump, right off the jump. So, you know. How, how old were you when they got married? 
I really don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't remember the actual uh, uh, age. You, but you I was, were young. I was kind of young. Yeah, I was fairly young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But how blessed are you to have been raised with somebody who loved you so unconditionally at such a, somebody that wasn't even his own? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I was very blessed. Uh, I was very blessed. And um, he taught me, my dad taught me a lot about love. That's where I actually first learned about love. First thing I learned about God. First thing I learned about that foundation of love. You know, it was, it was him that really, that showed me that, you know what I mean? And my mom was really the first one because my mom, I remember uh, her strength and her power and what she, what she did as a woman um, for her, for me and my, my sister. But uh, my dad showed me a lot of, a lot of love and, and showed me a lot of character and, you know, a lot of the things that I, that I take now today in my journey as being a man. Mm -hmm. I think that's just beautiful. Absolutely yes, beautiful. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So when you were a youth, um, you were in the street life of life, well, right? I mean, I mean, not not that early on. I mean, I was always a troubled kid. I think that was just gonna be. I think that was just my path as a little kid. I mean, when I was a little boy, I just I wasn't one of those kids that you know was into video games or into any of that stuff. So, and this is a problem with a lot of people in our community. We when we get bored and we don't have nothing to do or have nothing to think about, have nothing to shoot for, then we start uh, dibbling, dabbling little things and little things turn into big things, you know? So for me, it was like, I was never attracted to anything, but you know, anything that really sparked my interest. So it allowed my mind to be free to do, you know, like they say, the idol's mind's a devil playground. So it allowed my mind to do, you know, start involving myself in other things and, Stuff that you know, even my parents didn't know about. It started off stealing, real, real young, and bikes and stuff from the store and things like that. And so, and hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people. Um, at the time, you didn't think they was the wrong crowd, the wrong people, but you start developing that character that that really shouldn't, that you shouldn't develop, but you start developing that character um, subconsciously. You know, what I'm saying not knowing. Do you remember how old you were when you were? Um first starting out stealing the bikes and hanging out with the, with the right, wrong crowd at the time. <laughs> yeah. Probably about nine, 10 years old. You know what I mean? So you and were little. Then, yeah. And then between that, you know, with my, you know, being around, being around my cousins and, um, we always, and even younger than that, we was always like, you know, doing things that we shouldn't have been doing. So it started, the, the little thing started, started, at a young age, not thinking that it would like eventually create uh, other issues and other problems for my life down the line. You know what I mean? Yes. Wow. So you were in an actual gang gang, right? Uh, I was affiliated. You know, I was affiliated. Um, and a lot what of that. What does that mean, affiliated? What's the difference? I mean, you know, I wasn't, I was affiliated more so because of my. My, my family, my cousin, and because of the guys that I hung out with and the guys that I rolled with and the guys that I grew up with, you know, there's, there's levels to this stuff, you know, and okay. when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to that kind of stuff, there's levels to it, you know, and there's, there's guys that actually, you know, that, that really <laughs> went, went on a, went on a path to like real deep to killing, killing folks and, and really uh made that a part of they, they, they every day, they everyday life, like like of almost as like a part of their blood, but because of like I said, because of you know 
the 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 initial foundation, initial love, you know, even though I got I got in now, I will say this. Once I got in, once I started doing it, it was later on in my life and then I got deep into doing things that I probably shouldn't shouldn't have done shouldn't have done and things that I've got things that I haven't even got caught for. So, you know, um a lot of that came on later on in my late late life, especially like late late nineteen and early late nineteen, early twenties is when all that stuff started uh really uh giving me problems. You know, it like it seemed like everything like caught up to me. All the little things that was going on and all the little just small things start adding up and then it start developing a character that that I that wasn't supposed to be my my character uh it, it it took me off direction of who I really was supposed to be or who God really created me to be and so I lost myself so to speak for for a long time um because of and a lot of it has to do with what happens to a lot of the kids uh young black men like myself is that Wanting to, wanting to be a part of something, wanting to be a part of something yeah. because your cousin's doing it or because your friends are doing it and want to be a part of that. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, sometimes peer pressure or sometimes insecurities or sometimes that stuff that you're that that's in your mind as a young kid. And then it finally, as you get older, it starts developing and developing and more. And the next thing you know, you're like you're in deep into something that you, you probably shouldn't have been deep into. Wow. So it just spirals. It spirals. It spirals out of control. And here's the deal. You know, I say the same is that, you know, you got to be careful what you campaign for because you might get elected, you know. So, oh. yeah, you know, <laughs> wow. yeah, you got to be careful what you campaign for because you might get elected because some of it's like people doing it to be cool. And a lot of it, a lot of it starts like that, you know, uh, want to be cool, uh, want to feel protected or want to feel like you're part of something. It's like anything. Um, right. Joining, being affiliated or being next to gangs or whatever the case you may say, it's the same thing with, you know, being going to school or being a part of this, the president's club or uh, being a part of a sports team or being a part of anything. It's all the same. It's just that um, the only difference is uh, the other things have, uh, uh, the other stuff has uh, negative consequences to it. Right. And some stuff has positive consequences to it. So it's um, right. almost the same thing though. When you're young, you're always trying to find yourself. That's all of us. When you're young, you're always trying to find yourself, fit in, trying to figure out where you belong, figure out where you're going. And, and that's, that's how it happens. You know, um, we have a question for you and it says, uh, how would you communicate to a young person today that their crowd may not be the best crowd? How do you tell them? Well, I just shoot it straight because I talk to kids all the time. You know, I try to give them, I try to paint them a pretty rough picture and um, a pretty raw and real rough picture of what leads up and what kind of things can happen if you do these things, if you hang out with these kind of people. You know, I'm not the right. guy that, you know, because a lot of times people try to talk to these kids, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to approach them. They don't know how to direct what they say to them. So you just got to talk to them straight and give them a vivid uh, minds, uh, a picture. You got to give them a big picture of seeing like, you know, this is the things that happen. I'll tell them, you know, you know, these are the things that happen. You know, people go to prison, you, you die, you go to jail. And then I give them the, um, the other picture of say you do, uh, make it out or, or stuff like that. But then if you get a felony or you get a class A misdemeanor or something like that, then you got to go to, uh, then it's going to make it hard for you in real life to get a job, you know what I mean, to get your credit, get houses and all that stuff, the stuff that will affect you later on in life as it did myself, you know, not knowing that it was going to do that to me when I was younger, you know, because you're playing at that time. When you're young, you plan, you think it's cool. There's not really that much consequences when you're younger. 
And then so you don't know. So I try to catch them, catch them young to try to get to their mind. When they're younger, it's hard for them to understand. It's hard for them to listen at that age because, you know, it was for me. Um, but at the same time, well, their frontal I, lobes it, aren't even developed, right? I mean, their brain right. function isn't even fully developed. That's right. That's right. And and also, uh, for a lot of the part, I didn't have nobody vivid, like giving me those pictures like that, you know, that deep. So I didn't really have a mind of understanding what I could potentially really get myself into later on. But now because um, I'm living life and, and, and have lived some things and been through a lot of things in life, I'm able to give that give that picture to them in yes. a way that they will understand. Yes. Very clearly, huh? <laughs> exactly. Clearly it's, and concisely so that you can actually here's a problem, them and they though. can see it. Yeah. Here's a problem with that though. Um, some, you know, and this is what I, I, I came to conclusion that, you know, you fight for everybody, but you're not going to reach everybody. You're going to reach some, but right. you're not going to reach everybody. And that's what we got to know going into it. And you can't get discouraged because, you know, if you change one or two or three lives, those people, it's like a ripple effect. Those people change two or three lives and those people change two or three lives. So you are doing it. It's just some people in this world, unfortunately, just they're just not going to get it. They're just not going to going to going to come through. And that's the sad part. And that's the sad reality about life all the way around, you know. Right. 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 Derwin, that is, you just said that so beautifully, and that is so true, even in what we're doing right now, right? Even what's happening right now. But I do right. want to ask you, since we're talking about, you know, your story and how you paint it so vividly, um, what what brought you to a conviction? Well, here's the thing, and this is, this is a thing that I want a lot of people to um, really pay attention to, because I was just a kid that was, that got caught up on something so minor and then it turned into something bigger than it should have. Um, the conviction was, I pled to the conviction because I was young. I was uh, 18 or 19 when I went to jail. And um, I, so the original charge was, the first charge uh, was a harassment charge. You know, that's what it was. It was plain and simple, it was a harassment charge, you know. And then what happened was they put me on probation for it. I was in school, they put me on probation for it. And what happened was um, me not knowing the knowledge of the game of what goes on with the judicial system. I um, they put me on probation and they wanted me to do anger management classes. Well, I didn't want to do them. I, I, I went to a couple classes, but I wasn't reporting to the probation like I should. And I wasn't going to the classes, which I know now that back then I didn't know was a violation. So it was right. a violation. Right. Exactly. So it was a violation. And then. Um, what they did was they violated, they violated my probation. While I was on probation, I um, I uh, caught a robbery charge, a, a, a minor robbery charge that it ended up getting dismissed later on when I went to court through the plea bargain. But I caught that, so that was another violation, and they added that charge onto um, the violation. So I was sitting in jail with no bond. Now, mind you, there's guys that had way more bigger cases, way more bigger uh, problems and, and things and murders and killings and all that. It was a simple, simple, a simple harassment charge. And so they couldn't give me a felony by harassment. So when I went to jail, 
they they move, they turn it into a stalking charge. So I, this is how they do do young people turn into a stalking charge because that was the only felony they can do because it was the smallest felony at the time. It was a class six felony, which means it really wasn't nothing, wasn't really nothing. But so when I was in jail and I was going to court, I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. I had a public defender. You know what I mean? And that's another thing. You know, they don't really work hard for you. And, you know, I didn't have money for an attorney, so I had a public defender. So that, those are the people that was trying to uh, um, help me. Well, I sat there, you know, I really sat in jail for three months just on going to court. Well, what happened was, once again, through the grace of God and my mother, my mother on the outside was uh, writing letters. She wrote a letter to the NAACP, basically just telling them, like, man, my son's a good kid. He, you know, he's troubled a little bit, but he's he's a good kid. He just didn't know, you know, didn't go what was going on because they was trying to. And what happened was when I was going to court and was going to the preliminary trial, you know, I had people that was my friends that was actually testifying against me, saying that I was more of a horrible person than I really was, saying that I was, um, um, you know, I had a bad temper, which I did. And I was uh, always threatening people, which at the time I probably was. And, um <laughs> You know, saying that yeah. I was uh, always trying to um, fight people and do all these kind of things. So they painted a picture of me being more of a menace than I really was at the time. And so, um, you know, that's what happened. And so they was really trying to, like, give me time over something so small. And um, when the public defender came to me, he was like, this is the time that they want they're, they're, that you're facing. And they got to tell you that you're facing that. You might not necessarily uh do the time, but they're going to tell you right. that, that you're facing this time. Right. Well, of course, right. I was young at the time, and I didn't like jail. I'm going to tell you that right now. A lot of people brag about going to jail. I didn't like it. It wasn't a place for me. Didn't like it. Um, first couple of weeks, I got locked up. I got in a couple of fights. Um, you know, I got tested and got a couple of fights there. And, you know, so my mom was working on the outside. Derwin? Hello. Hold on, folks. Can someone tell me? Are we still live? Can someone respond? Are we still live? Do we need to start over? Hello? Can you see us? Are we still live? Hello? Nope. Are we dead in the water? Can you hear me? Hmm. Let's see. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see. I don't know what happened. Um, let's see if we can bump them out and maybe and come back. I don't know. Hold on. Stay, stay with me, folks. Stay with me. Let me go here. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Thank you. Let me just, um, I'm going to close him out. Yes. Oh shit. I wonder what's going to happen. I've never done this before on a live. Bear with me. Okay. We're going to remove him. Oh, are we still live? I think we still are. Okay. Let me tell him, come back in, come back in. I may have to call him. Let me just call him real quick. Oh, here he is. He's back. He's back. Derwin? Can you hear me? Okay. We, you froze, you froze. So, um, you were talking about, 
Um, it's hard to hear you. You can't hear me now? I can hear you barely, though. How weird. Technical difficulties, y'all. But, but I can still... hear you, though. I can hear you. You can hear me? Okay. So we're it's still, still low, live. But I can hear you. We're I'll still work. live. Yeah. Yeah, we're still live. So that's awesome. Okay. So um, you were talking about the people testifying against you, trying to make it out worse than make you out to be this this person that you're not. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was rough and, and I'm not going to lie and say that I was an angel and stuff like that. But I mean, when you go to court, you start telling people, you know, this guy. And, and, and there was a couple of things I said that I shouldn't have said. A few things. Threaten some people with their lives and stuff like that. So, you know, so. Well, you know, but, you know, I mean, at that, at that age, you know, you're a different person. All of, none of us are the same person at 19 or 20. Not one person. If one person says they're the same, they're lying. They're right. lying. You know? And so, um, so technically you are, a, you're a felon, right? Yeah, technically. My God. So how has that in and of itself impacted your life? I mean, at first it was, um, at first it was hard um, because it just, um, you know, when you, when you're going to find, going to look for jobs and back then we're talking what, uh, when all this started happening and everything was finished, we're like, we're talking 1997. So mm -hmm. in 97, um, you know, when you go, the, the whole job process is different right there. There wasn't nothing online, so you have to go. And, and this was embarrassing. So it's another thing I got to tell people, you know, you got to go and go look for a job and fill out an application um, for to get a job. And you go to a temp service or go somewhere, and they'll just say it out loud. They'll say, oh, well, you know, we can't take this uh, because of your background. And you're sitting there in a room for a lot of people, and they hear that stuff, and you got to walk out there in front of all those people you know, it's kind of embarrassing and stuff like that. So I went through yeah. that for a while. And then the kind of jobs you get. So if you don't get a job, it's the kind of jobs you get. You know, you have to take what you get. So, you know, honestly, I was 20 years old uh, sacking groceries at Kroger, <laughs> you know, and then working with my dad at his uh, landscaping company and irrigation company. So I was working both of those things. And then I worked with my uncle at a, at a nursery home washing dishes. So those are the things that happen. And I, if I had to sit up here and count how many jobs I've had over my whole life, I'll be here forever because I couldn't even remember. I probably had, shoot, probably over 50, 60, 70, close to 100 jobs in my whole life. You know, wow. picking up temporary work, doing this job. It's time for me to find out who, who I, what I was supposed to do and who I really was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had another yeah. job. I had a, another job. I went big time, but I was, I guess, some street pharmacy work <laughs> for a little while, you know, to <laughs> make make ends meet, you know, yeah. just to eat or survive or just just to have a little things. You know, I did some street pharmacy stuff for a little while too, as well, while I was working and doing all the other stuff. And I and I did some other stuff like, you know, I would uh, rob rob people. Um, what does that mean know, when you say that you would rob people? Huh? What does that mean? Like you would rob them personally? Well, I rob them. Yeah, I rob them. It's simple. It's, it's self-explanatory. I rob you. Rob you. Um, knife point, gun point, you know, um, if I had to. Um, I did it. And I had a group of, a couple of guys, group of guys that we did that together. Um, 
you know, and rob them for money, rob them for, for their narcotics and, and stuff like that. Did that for a little while, you know. Wow. Wow. This is interesting, Derwin, because, you know, after our conversation this afternoon, see, we didn't talk about any of this part. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, it's interesting because that, that is the reality of it. Right. Well, here's That's the deal. The I don't usually it. like highlight that stuff, you know, so I don't talk no. about it much. I don't think it's, you know, I don't mind doing it uh, for this deal for a reason to help yeah. people and help people understand, but it's not something I usually talk about. I mean, and now, now I'm no. very open about who I am and, and what I am as a man, but I usually don't go into details. Um, it's yeah. not really what I usually do. Um, well, I am so grateful that you are sharing this aspect of your life because yeah, it's the first time, I, first time I really done it. I, I mean, I've talked about it, um, about my, some of my things live, but to go into details and things like that, um, you know, I, I haven't really, you know, went that, went that far, but I've done a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of horrible things, um, in that world. Um, you know, but I got my redemption for it and, you know, life goes on and you get better and you keep pushing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to, right? You have to. So what was your turning point to get your shit together? What I, I'm certain that there was got, there had to be a defining moment for you. you know? It was a number of things. Um, it was uh, thinking about my mom. Um, I, um, the, when I went to jail, my mom's the one who took me, turned turn me in. I fled. I fled for a while. I went to California. I was acting weird. I just left, went to California, went on a run for a while, uh, flew back home. Uh, call, uh, the detective was looking for me. I had an apartment at the time. Detectives were looking for me. Uh, the guy that was staying in my apartment at the time told me. So I called my mom and said, look, I need to need you to go take me down. When she took me down, they locked me up right there in front of my mom. And, um, like her, just her face. I remember her face, and I remember her, them. You know, her asking them if she can hug me one more time, and they told her uh, no. And so, oh. and um, as I was walking, it was taking. I turned around, and looked at my mom, and I saw the look on her face. And I didn't never want to see that look again. I stressed her out. I stressed her out. Stressed my dad out. Stressed my little sister out. Stressed my uncle out. My grandparents out. I stressed a lot of people out because the way I was living. And so, um, you know, in their mind, they was thinking that I wasn't going to make it um, because the way I was living, they didn't think I was going to make it for a while. I got wild for a while. I turned into a monster for a minute. Um, I was a sweet, sweet young man and a sweet kid. And then um, that life got a hold of me and I turned into a monster for a while. And um, what made me change was that my mother, my dad, my family, God. And then when my son was born, uh, when my son was born, he really like made me think about things different. And then I got married, you know, I got married um, around that time as well. I was married for like 16 years. And so um, before I got married, I was with a buddy of mine in an apartment. I lost everything, my job, car got repo, got evicted from the apartment. So uh, me and my friend, a friend of mine was plotting to rob a bank. And um, what helped me with that was that he ended up getting a girlfriend and I ended up dating my ex-wife and I lost everything. She said, well, won't you just move to Dallas with me? And then that kind of took me out the game for a minute, uh, for a while. 
And so I moved in with her, got married to her, and then that's when I started um, getting back into martial arts. You know, it was her that told me at the time. I believe that even though me and not, her not divorced, we're divorced now. I believe that God uses people at certain times in your life to um, to help you get out of certain situations. And so that was that time. And she was like, won't you get back to martial arts? That was something that you was doing when you were a kid. Your dad, your mother was a part of it. You did it when you was young. So get back into that. And that's when I start getting back into martial arts and I start competing again. And that that those were the kind of the change of events in my life. But I will say this. During that time, I was like 25 years old. And um and I was still like moving around in the streets a lot. Even when I was married. You know, I was still doing things and and um, but I will so say the seed was planted. And that's when I started that? changing. Say what? Were you, were you hiding that from her? Um, or did she? Know? A little bit, a little bit. But um, she knew a lot about my life because she was involved and was around me when a lot of things was happening. She was around me when, when um, big fights broke out, or me getting involved with things that I shouldn't get into, or uh, family member things that was happening. She was involved and she was around me a lot. Her and my stepson. So I had a son, stepson that I was raising. He was six years old at the time. He's 25. He'll be 26 now. And um, so I was trying to keep a lot from him. I don't want him saying that. And, but she saw a lot. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, that I kept from her that she didn't know. And there were some things she found out later on. After we divorced, she 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 found out a couple of things about me that she didn't know. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it works that way, doesn't it? It yeah. does. It works that way. Um, somebody had a question. Okay. Uh, there's another question here. Okay. Did, did doing the time, um, did it make you look at life differently? A so um, after you, after you saw your mom that last time and they're arresting you, was that the last time that you went to jail? No, no. Oh shit. Been in jail okay. like three or four more times. Okay. So has, ha did anything regarding you being in jail, has it changed how you look at life now? I mean, yeah. I mean, through the grace of God, I, I wasn't, you know, some guys do 15 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So um, I would imagine that my mindset would have been different. So I think that God allowed me not to do that much longer time for a reason. But, you know, what really changed my life was what happened inside of jail. You know, jail was really easy. For me, um, you just didn't like it. Was it. A life outside of jail. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. easy. It was a life outside of jail that really, um, where I really got my life experiences. That's when when I got when I hit when I hit the real world and hit that scene and was really hanging out with my cousins like that and my family, and we was in these areas and these spots and the neighborhoods and the stuff that was going on. That's what really, like, I was like, oh man, life is real now. And so I had mm -hmm. a choice to like either walk away or go all in. And I decided to go all in to the bad way. You know what I mean? And, and, um, for quite a time, it's a lot of things I was doing that, that I'm not proud of. And, 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 and still think about some of the things to this day that, that some of the stuff that I was doing that really wasn't just wasn't good. But yeah. those, those things in life is the ones that taught me a lesson. And seeing what happened to my cousins, seeing what happened to people that was close to me, them being killed or murdered 
or it's innocent people being killed or murdered or my cousin going doing time in prison or these guys doing all this stuff. Those were the things that really um, made me like wake up. And even the time that I was seeing those things, it's still, my mind was still young and undeveloped. So I was still like going towards the fire instead of going towards the fire. So eventually um, I got, I got away from doing those things. Wow. 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 So you're making a decision to walk away from all this, right? You're making a decision to change your, change your life. What struggles did you have once you decided to change your life? Was there still temptation? Yeah, you know, 100%. There, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how did you combat that? Well, it, it took time. Um, timing is everything and desire. Um, timing and desire is everything. Um, at some point, I desire to change and I wanted to change. And once I planted that seed in my mind that I wanted to change and that I desire to change, um, little by little, things start happening. Things start dropping off and those things start happening. But the main thing is I kept the desire to change. Once I realized that I wanted to be something better and do something different and make something of my life, it started happening. Because it ha it starts with the desire. And then you yes. got to start putting forth the action, you know. And that's what it was for me. You manifested your shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, love too, man. Like, you know, my dad. Um my mom, my uncles, my grandfather, my grandmother before they passed, they all loved me. You know, they all loved me and it was clear that they did. And it was clear they that they was worried it. about me. Yeah. And it was clear that um that they didn't want me to be hurt and they didn't want me to be down. So Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that. Yes. And they loved you through it. Excuse me? They loved you through it. Yeah, they loved me through it. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they That's loved really... me through it. You know, but here's the thing, though, they did do that, but I had to go through a lot by myself mm -hmm. in order to become a man and become the man that I'm supposed to be, the man that I am today, and the man that I'm continuing to change to be. I had to go through a lot of that stuff by myself, and I'm gonna tell you something. There was a lot of dark, a lot of dark times because I went to a place where even my own, my I felt like. And I do know in certain cases that my own mom, dad, and family didn't even understand me. Because a lot of my family, like my, as far as my uncles and uncles and cousins and stuff, they didn't even know how deep that I was involved with the stuff that I was involved with. Yeah. So this is like some of the stuff that I'm saying is even news to certain family members, you know, that right. how deep I got involved with a lot of stuff that I was in because I just didn't tell nobody. I just kept yeah. it to myself. And when I yeah. did a lot of dirt, I did a lot of dirt on my own. And so I did take that as a man. If I was going to do something and go down, and, and if I did this, that I was going to accept the consequences for the things that I did. So, um, but they did know I was troubled for sure. They did know that I was involved with a lot of things, but they just still loved me. You know, they just didn't understand. Hell, I didn't, I barely understood myself. And that's another thing. You know, I barely understood myself because I lost myself. And when you lose yourself, you don't understand yourself. So I had to find, who I was again, 
and, right. who, and I had to find out who I was created to be. And once I found that, and I decided that who I was, who I who I was created to be was okay. That I didn't have to be nobody else and I have to be like nobody else. And that once I realized who I was and realized that being me and and loving myself, you know, that's when a lot of things started changing. Derwin, I have to ask you, um, what's your mental health been like through some of this? Strong. Um, Good. That's one thing I've always been. I've always been a warrior and a gladiator. And I don't think like a lot of the rest of the world. Um, my mind is strong because of the foundation. Once again, you know, you building a house, the foundation on the house is rough, is, is, is bad. Then you can forget about building the rest of the house. You know, with the foundation, if anything else in the house messed up, you can always go back to that foundation. And that's what I look at is that my foundation was good. You know, um, going to church with my grandmother, going to church with my mom and dad, um, having that spiritual foundation helped me out. It it, yes. it 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 really it really did a whole bunch for my life. And so going back to that, my mental state, I guess even as a kid, I was always strong because I was dealing with things. I was you know, I was on the smaller side. And so people tried to bully. Um, so I had to fight a lot. Um, people tried to mess with my sister sometimes because she had a disability. Not, you know, she's fine, but she had <laughs> a rheumatoid arthritis. So I had to yeah. protect her. So yeah. I was always yeah. in that mode. So I was always yeah. in survival mode. I was always in that mode of like, you know, I got to I got to fight and I got to live and I can't go home telling my mom and dad and Everybody, somebody's messing with me, something like that. I had to get out there and get it. And that's how I developed my strength. And uh, so when I hit the real world, um, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for the real world because I didn't have the skill set. I didn't know um, what a bank account was. I didn't know um, how to balance money. I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't have no college credits or college degrees or anything like that. And so I didn't really have a skill set. Um, I did graduate from high school, but I got kicked out of high school because I got in trouble. And thanks to my mom, um, I was able to graduate through a work release program. And if it wasn't for my mother, I would not graduate from high school. So I ended up getting a diploma. So that helped me out a little bit. But I still didn't have the life skills. So I had to everything that I went through in my life, I had to figure out on my own. I had to figure out definitely on my own. I didn't have a lot of people in my ear telling me this, telling me that. You know, I have people say little things here and there, but it wasn't enough. Like I literally had to walk through the fire without getting burned by myself. I had to walk yeah. through that dark tunnel and I had to do that by myself, you know, and I learned how to be a man a lot by myself. I had to walk through it and, and deal with it, you know? So yeah. that's, um, and, and during that time, um, I can always remember telling myself that I didn't want to be in this place. I didn't want to be here. And then I start developing my mental maturity as a man working at certain places, working at certain, um, uh, spots. I will always start putting myself that once I start developing, who I wanted to be and what I was going to be. And I, I started having goals and plans. And even the places that I was working, I started thinking to myself, well, this is not my life. And that other life that I was living was not my life. So now I'm going to start focusing on what I'm going to start doing now. Now, mind you, I had to, I had an understanding that all the things that I put in that world, the work that I put in that world, the stuff that I did bad in that world, I knew that I was going to have to pay for those things. I knew that those things were going to come back. You know, some people call it karma. I call it reaping what you sow, whatever the case may be. But I knew that was coming. And yeah. through my faith and my spirituality, I heard God telling me in my conscience that that he was going to take care of me. But I was going to have to go through it. 
And so I went through life knowing that I was going to go through hard times. I knew that I was going to go through things. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't can't see those things. So I was blessed to know that I'm going to have to hit this spot. I'm going to have to go through things. I'm going to have to go through these horrible things in order to get to the man I was going to be. But all I had to do was see it through. So the main thing is that the scary part is some people don't want to walk through it. I knew I had to walk through it because I'm a gladiator and I'm a warrior. I went and walked through it with my dignity and, uh, and with humility. And, and so I had to go through it. And I went through it for a lot of years, you know. So, you know, I'm in my 40s now. So it's like I went through this stuff into my late 40s and into my early, into my early 40s, you know. And so I learned that even when you're a man, that you never stop developing your character. Even as a man, you never stop changing. You never stop growing. You never stop learning. And when I came to that conclusion is when I truly found peace and sanity. Eric, I think you just had your uh, question answered. He had a he had a question about uh, the gladiator warrior mentality. Did it get you in more trouble than not? And clearly it served you. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, you're saying this about, you know, being a man and, and um, all the changes that you're making as a man. And let me tell you, I think that's a human uh, um, attribute. I feel the exact same way as as a woman. You know, it, we can't stay stagnant. We can't stay still. We can't stay um, in a, a single spot because we're not serving ourselves and we're not serving others when we do that. So right. um, I really feel like, uh, Derwin, you just took us to church, sir. <laughs> so thank you. That was You're beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, and and my girlfriend Kim says, uh, tell your mom she's a rock star. And she um, is. You know, I think as a mother who will fight uh, tooth and nail for my son, I, I know, I know, um, I think that's, I think our mothers, you know, I, I don't know what it is about mothers and sons, but, but it's something beautiful. And um, she fought for you, my friend, and she fought hard for you and it paid off clearly. Yes, indeed. So, you know, here you are, you're in your forties. Um, I want to just kind of do a sideline here about your fighting career because I do find it interesting. So you were always a fighter, emotionally speaking, right? And then you get into um, the ring, so to speak. So mm -hmm. what what did what did that look like for you, and how did that serve your highest and best good? You said, excuse me, you said, how did I do what? How did you getting into the ring? you know, physically serve your highest and best good? Um, I mean, nothing really. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, I mean, it just, I was always a fighter. So I just, and I was things that I wanted to do. Um, as a man, I, I, I've been in martial arts since I was a kid back and forth and got away from it and, um, didn't know that I was going to get back into it. So if you would have told me 20 years ago, 25 years ago that I was going to be back into martial arts, I would have laughed. I thought right. my life was going to do something else, but yeah. um, it's just, I use martial arts though mm -hmm. to help bring people together, you know, um, help these young men and young ladies to become better human beings um, inside the cage ring and outside the cage. That's how it served the purpose for me is being able yeah. to help people. And that's yeah. that's why I believe that this gym is open is because um, yes. I'm not doing it for any other reason than to um, help other people reach their goals, whether they're they become fighters, 
physical, mental, and spiritual growth. Um, that's the gratification I get um, in being a martial arts coach, instructor, teacher, and mentor. So it's definitely serving your highest and best good. Indeed. Because you're, 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 uh, you're a servant leader. And if you've yes, never heard that technology, it's, um, it's a brilliant way of serving others. And it's, it's spectacular. Um, yes, ma'am. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so thrilled for our connection. And I do not be surprised if I come out and we do a live one day at your gym. <laughs> I think I would that, would be, that. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. You're so, oh, thank you. So currently, like in recent times, because, you know, everything is blowing up right now, what judgments have you heard the most? Um, I'm oh, gosh, do we freeze again? <laughs> no, no. Hold on. I'm going to kick him off. I wonder if he'll know. I'm going to kick him off. <laughs> oh, are you there? Uh, Derwin? You know Derwin? I'm here. Hold on. I'm here. Okay. Um, go ahead and start over with that one. What judgments do you, um, have you heard the most? Well, I mean, I've heard I wasn't gonna, uh, I was gonna be dead before I was 21. I've heard, um, that I ain't gonna be nothing. Um, that I am as a thug or I ain't nothing. I ain't this. I've heard those things, um, you know, but I've been, um, harassed by police. I've been um, roughed up by police quite a few times. Um, I've been called racial slurs quite a few times during my lifetime. Um, never let that stuff, I never let that stuff change me though. I never let that stuff, uh, you know, I recognize it and I know it's a real thing and it's definitely a real thing. So if people think that this stuff don't exist or they think that racism don't exist, then they're sadly mistaken. It's, it's, it does exist and it exists at its highest form right now. You know, and I try to tell people like that all the time. So, I mean, you know, you get judged all the time. You can't, you know, I can be driving a car or I can be walking. I go to convenience stores and, and less of the ones are people that I know. You go to convenience stores, you go to stores, people watch you. They watch you extra. Make sure you're not stealing something. I done got so used to that that I don't even pay no attention to it no more. I don't even say nothing. I don't worry about it. I just go do my thing and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It happens. It's a part, it, you know, and, 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 and this is what I was saying is like, if you never lived that, you never been through that, if you've never been oppressed, then it's going to be hard for people to debate on that or talk about that, right. you know, right. because I see a lot of that going on. Well, I'm not going to argue with somebody that doesn't know me. I'm not going to argue with somebody that doesn't want to know me. I'm not going to debate and argue with somebody that doesn't want to um, have more wisdom or have more understanding about somebody else other than their own uh, opinions or their own thinking. Um, and that's the problem that we have right now going on in the world is that everybody want to fight and argue, but nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants to um, sit at the table. You know, it's social media. It's what it's created for. If people would sit down at the table and talk or talk on the phone, then things will get handled better. But people don't want to do that. And that's the platform, you know. Uh, well, let's, let's shift this gear and talk about this because I think this is a perfect segue to talk yeah. about um, the protests, Black Lives Matter movement, and the riots. Like, are these right. things, are these things going to permanently make a difference? 
Um, not in my natural opinion. Um, I think by making a difference is by you um, doing the stuff that I do. It's like getting involved with your community, truthfully getting involved with your community, like one-on-one -on -one with groups and classes and people and getting involved with the people. Um, hatred, no matter where it's coming from, and unrighteous anger, because there is a righteous anger. You know, we all have those emotions. We all have those feelings. You can be angry, but sin not. You know, that's the, that's the thing that, that we were told in the scripture or I read in the scripture. But no, you're not going to make no um, difference by, um, you know, being hateful, saying things that's going to hurt people or doing hurtful things by bashing and hurting other people. You're not going to make it. Yeah. It's never been that way, and it's not. You cannot fight. Um, it's a fact to me that you're not going to fight hate with hate. You can forget about it. And you're not going to, you know, and if you don't have no understanding of what that is, then you're going to be uh, lost in this world for sure. So you can't fight hate with hate. And um, what people got to realize is that the platform that social media is, is, to me, was created for was to put people against each other and divide people. And that's exactly what's going on. And I see it every day. It's sad. I watch yes. people wake up every day miserable so they can post something on Facebook, share something miserable because they don't have understanding. They don't have wisdom. And yes. because of that, they will continue to be lost no matter how intellectual they sound. You know, I know a lot of wise dummies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. You just because you read a book, or yeah, because you went to college, or because you got a degree, or because you read this, yeah. don't mean that you're have common sense. Just yeah. because you read something on the news or read something on social media, don't mean that you're smart. It means to me that you're a follower for a lot of the reasons. I'm not built like the rest of this world, so although I see what's going on. I'm not really a part of what everybody else is doing because my spirit has been developed a long time ago to not be weak and not to be a follower and not to fall victim of everything that's going on right now. So Black Lives Matter, right? This well, movement. Black Lives does matter and, and, uh, and all lives does matter. And so here's the thing. Whoever created that, the thing about it is if someone says, that was on purpose, too. So they knew coming up with this slogan was going to cause this big frenzy, and it did. So the initial thing was it wasn't saying that people were saying that black only lives, but they're saying that black lives matter also. That's all that was saying. But then people took it and flipped it and ran with it. And even the people that's doing the Black Lives Matter movement, some are uneducated about what they're doing or are knowledgeable about what they're doing. And the other people that don't know about the movement aren't knowledgeable about what they're doing. They're just reading the stuff that's being put out on the Internet and news, which a lot of the news is what they want you to hear, what they want well, you to and see. You don't, you don't know what's real and what's not. Exactly. You know, that's exactly. the problem. You don't know what's real and what's not. So, you know, what I found out was real is being true to myself. Yeah. If I find out being true to myself, having peace and sanity following the guidelines of my faith and my spirituality. And everybody don't believe in God. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that off the jump because I know a lot of viewers. Everybody don't believe what I believe in. So I'm speaking for myself. But it's helped me. I'm saying this because it's helped my life. It's helped yeah. me get to where I am and where I'm going today. 
And I just decided that, you know, everything that comes out, I'm just not going to be the person that jump on for it. it. It really blew my mind when the coronavirus thing came out, this thing, and it's not going to stop. Um, every four years, they got something. West Nile virus, Ebola. Um, they got all these things that come out. Yeah. Y2K, when that first came out, oh the world's going to end. Yeah. Everybody start acting fool. Everybody act crazy because you know why? Yeah. Lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of wisdom, and lack of faith. Yes. Bottom line. Faith is a big deal. Shoot. Faith is a big deal. And, you know, you and I had a conversation earlier today and we were talking about that video I was telling you about, about the, you know, I think there's a coach and he's got the kids lined up on the line and he'll ask him, you know, step forward. Right. You know, if this is, if this is you, if, if this is you, if this is you, if you've had this, if you've had this, right. And, right. you know, it, when I watched that video, I never would have gotten off the fucking line. Right? right. I never would have gotten off the line. So, you know, understanding faith and understanding how it works and understanding that you've always been supported um, through those triumphs and tribu tribulations um, or trials and tribulations, I find, um, you know, it molds the spirit in a way yes. to actually see compassion for others. That's right. Um, intention, not intentionally, um, wholeheartedly. And so it's really, um, it's really amazing. So you said something this afternoon when we were talking about what you're saying to your, your 19 year old son right now about right. this isn't, this isn't us. This isn't, no. this isn't us. So no. share with us a little bit more about that. No, I told my son that whatever's going on in this world, that's not for me and him because yeah. we're different. He made us, God created us different and we're not followers and we're not sheep. So you're not going to follow. And I've been telling my son this stuff since he was a young man, younger, younger yeah. kid. And he's 19 years old. And my son is probably one of the, the best kids I've ever seen in my life. But what it is is that I gave him the game of life. I told him what to watch out for at a young, at a young age. I told him that this is, world is nasty. It's not. It's ugly. There's a good people in this world. And there's a lot of great people in this world. But I believe the world itself and the design of this world it's ugly and it's designed to be nasty and it's designed to do exactly what it's doing. So I told him, don't believe everything you hear. Develop your own mind, develop your own spirit, develop your own understanding and have that and keep forward. I said, just because they say this is going on don't mean that's actually what it is. Yes. Just, I, I tell them that all the time. And, be, and we talk like this and I told him, I said, all this stuff that's going on, People acting crazy about this coronavirus stuff. People acting crazy about all this stuff. I said, that's not for us, man. That's not our world. That's the worldly world. See, God said, what I, what I, what I was, my understanding, my faith said, be in the world, but don't be of the world. Too many people are of the world. Zombies. Yeah. Mind yeah. control. It's very sad. Some of the stuff that I see people post, Write, comment. The first thing I say to myself, I said, these people are severely mentally ill. Severely. And these are people that you think or would thought would be the most intelligent human beings in the world. And you find out they are the most lost souls you ever see in your life. And so severely mentally ill. If this thing is gone, you can forget about everything else. If the mind yeah. is gone, you can forget about everything else. I taught my son to 
make sure that number one that is mine is always on point. Always pay attention. Always be aware. And that's how I am. That's why I believe that I survived and made it through the things that I made it out my life. Because I wasn't yes. going to be a part of what everybody else is doing. And I will not be a part of what everybody else is doing. And I'm going to stand on that until the day that I die. Even if it killed me, I'm going to stand on that. Because true living to me don't start until you die anyway. So I'm just here temporarily in my body and I got a job to do while I'm here. And my job is not to cause problems. My job is to create solutions. So too many people worry about the problem. I don't worry about the problem. I worry about creating a solution. And everything that I do in my life, I create solutions. These are proven facts. And every time I create solutions and don't worry about the problem, everything happens in my life so much better. And if people can well, grasp that, understand it, yes. then they'll be okay. But unfortunately, a lot of people won't. So let's talk about some ideas that you have. I think, um, you know, you, t you shared a little bit about you were roughed up with by the police at one point in your life or maybe a few times in your life. A lot of times. Um, what is your perspective of our police? Um, well, they need, they need, um, they need, I'm going to say this off the jump. They need proper training. Um, I believe the system that they have across the world, across the United States, uh, they're not properly trained. So, and that means uh, from physical training to also um, mental and verbal uh, communication and etiquette. They don't have that a lot. And I think a lot of them are trained for their mind to do exactly what they're doing now. Now, I'm going to share this with you. All police aren't bad. All police departments aren't bad. There's just, there are bad people that are in the police department, which happens to make them now, because they're a police, bad cops. Right. Um, I can't put that that stigma on all cops and say that all of them are bad because right. I don't have the experience that all of them are bad because I have friends that train at my gym yeah. that are police officers. I do private training with police officers. And I clearly can see that when I train these guys that they don't know what they're doing. They are subconsciously and consciously trained to pull the gun first. To be aggressive wow. first. Now there are some that aren't that way. Not all of them are that way. Not all of them are not that way. But there's a lot of them that are. And until we get into the system of the police stations and 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 get these group training going on to where we teach them classes on pro real Brazilian jiu-jitsu or how to uh, take down a suspect or whoever it is properly. Um, they don't know how to do that. You saw with this guy, they stepped on this guy's neck. And when I seen this guy's face, I spiritually, from my opinion, looked at him that he wanted that guy to die. He didn't want to get off his neck. Now, you got this guy in handcuffs. You got him in handcuffs. Why are you still sitting on his neck? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's crazy. So you, they need proper training. They need proper training. And I believe that some places might reach them, reach some, some departments. But I think overall that all this is going to continue to keep happening. All this stuff is going to continue to keep happening.
It's not going to change. It's not really going to change. This is my personal opinion. And people can say, well, that's negative. I said, no, it's not negative. So you got to confuse what's negative and what I believe to be the truth and what I believe to be the truth. It's been proven through decades, through years that this stuff don't change. And it hasn't changed. And I believe that it's not going to change. Now, overall, I don't believe it's going to change, but I believe we can make small changes in certain places and certain communities because I think it starts with the community. So I think we can start there. We can start there with the changes in that community and maybe this police department might not be that bad or that police department might not be that bad, but overall, universally, I don't believe it's going to change. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. So with the training of the police officers, right? Cause this is a conversation that, that we had in our own home recently was, you know, they go from one stressful situation to another stressful situation and how are they coping right from a coping mechanism and then they go into these other situations um you know so from from that you know their own mental health you know how to take care of themselves and not go into their job already stressed out um and all the things and so you know you're you've got some ideas that you would like to to uh help train officers more you know and you're actually consulting with with your a couple of your friends that are police and retired police. And do you feel like here, at least in our DFW um, network, that there could be some reform? Um, I'm hoping. Um, but here's yeah. the thing. I got to be honest with you. You always hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And you yeah. always keep hope. Because I believe if you don't, if you lose hope, then that's when you have despair. So you always have to have hope. So I'm going to always say, I'm always going to think for hope. Even if it don't happen, I'm going to think for hope because that's just the way I live my life. So that way I don't allow despair to enter my heart, which is why we have the world that we live in because everybody's allowed despair and lost hope. We have right. bitter, we have hate, we have malice, envy, jealous, and just evil. And a lot of people's spirits and a lot of people's hearts. And so that's why the world is the way it is. But for me yeah. personally, I'm going to hope. And if these guys are coming, I got a call from a guy from a gym the other day to ask me to be a part of this. And I said, for sure. I'm always to see what can happen. I'm not going to never say no. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to always say yes. Regardless of what I feel, I'm going to always say yes. Because I want to keep that, that mind frame of hope inside my spirit, inside my soul. So I'm hoping so. And I'm going to try. See, because there's the end younger of the day, generations that need it. That's right. There, and I can't yes. say nothing yeah. unless I try. That's yeah. the problem. We can talk and talk about all this all you want, but until you put steps into trying, Action. if you yeah. try and nothing happens, then that's not on you. You did your right. job. You did what you're supposed to do. But it's not going to stop what I'm supposed to do anyway. Because if it don't work there, I'm going to do another avenue. And I'm going to keep doing what I do and ask to my community because I'm obligated to that to reach out to the to people in the community and the people that I love and the people that need my help. So that's never right. going to stop what I'm doing, you know? So, right. Well, Derwin, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, honestly, just, you know, if, if people are watching, I just, the biggest um, thing that I want to tell you to make life better and to give, give you something to think on tonight, tomorrow in your life is that, um, 
Love conquers everything. I'm I'm a true believer in that because I'm one man that had to forgive people over and over and over again after I've been stepped on, hurt, pissed on, everything. And when I did not allow hatred and malice to take residence in my heart and I stayed, I stayed steadfast on who I was and 10 toes down as a man on everything, regardless of what was going on around me. I went through it all. There's not nothing that I haven't been through. And I stood on what I believed, I stood on what I believed in. And it served me great purpose as a man. And because of that, I have true, not false, but I want to say this, I have true peace and sanity in my life because I don't allow anything else to enter that. So the main thing is when you, it's whatever dog or whatever wolf you feed, you want to feed yes. the bad one or you want to feed the good one, but they're both going to get fed and they both need yes. to be fed. So at the end of the day, my, my biggest thing to everybody is change. That's the biggest word I can give you is change. Try to change your daily routine. If it's not helping you, change your thinking, change the way your heart is, change all that. Don't be cut part, be, don't become a part of the problem, becoming a part of the solution. Change. Ask for forgiveness. Make sure you forgive everybody. Listen to your, listen. Be, listening. be able to listen. Be able to hear. Be humble. Take narcissism out your spirit. Replace it with love. Replace it with forgiving. Replace it with understanding. If you can do those things, even if you don't change the world, you can change your world and you can change, you could possibly help change the world of the ones around you. But before that, you can try to make a change with anybody else or anything else in this world, you first have to make change within yourself. You first have to look in the mirror and you first have to start changing from the inside and out. First, you can't do nothing else in this world unless you look at yourself first. Recognize that you do have problems, recognize that you do have to change, recognize that you aren't perfect and you do have falls, uh, flaws and you do fall short and you do backside, you do all those things and then recognize it and then make a plan on how to change yourself. When you do that, then everything else will take care of itself. If you don't do that, then you, I can assure you that you will have a miserable life. Well, and that's the blame game. That's pointing fingers at everybody else. That is you know, constant shit show happening after shit show, because that energy that you have, you're bringing back to you over and over and over again. And there you went, Derwin, you took us to church again. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I'm, we're, we're getting the amens. We're getting, um, be a problem solver. Yes, sir. Yep. I mean, you, you, and, and Catherine, she's watching, she's a, she's a client of mine. She's spectacular. She said, you are truly living your, your true purpose. And, um, it is it is spectacular to have you here. Um, I, I just want to see if anyone else had a question for you before we let you go. Um, you've been an amazing guest. Um, my you. heart on my heart honors your heart, and I really cannot wait to come and squeeze you because um, you know outside of COVID, I may wear my mask, but <laughs> but you you really are a gift to humanity, and I just I I can't wait to see what else you do. Um, it's, it's going to be amazing. I believe that in my heart, I feel like you are going to make a difference and you are yeah. making a difference every day. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, I really do. And, um, those words 
uh, does mean a lot to me. And I don't take those words lightly. Anytime somebody tells me something that it gives me the it gives me more strength and energy to continue to go on. And I'm humbled, truly in my spirit. I'm humbled. I'm not a perfect man. Um, don't want to be perfect. And I realized I didn't have to be perfect. All I had to do was be pure. And that's yeah. the two things is that if your heart's pure, you don't have to be perfect because everything else will take care of yourself. If your desire is to be a great human being and you set forth in those steps to do that, then that's exactly what you're going to be. And I've been humbled so many times in my life. So um, humility resonates in my heart so much. And that's the way I live my life. And so I'm going to continue to do that. Um, yes, I get mad sometimes. Yes, I get out of line sometimes, but I always correct myself. I always go and check myself and I always apologize if I did anything wrong or did anything or said anything wrong to hurt anybody. And I make sure that I try not to make those mistakes and do those things. So um, I appreciate you um, giving me an opportunity to be on your show. And I enjoyed Absolutely. the conversation we had earlier and I enjoyed being on this show now. And if I was able to touch anybody, um, um, I'm thankful for that. Yes. I think you touched a lot of people's lives. Um, I think you definitely did. Oh, looks like you, it looks like the, they lost you again. That is so crazy. I'm still here. Are, yeah, you are. Well, some people, it looks like, yeah, it looks like, it looks like you're still there for some people. So, um, I'm going to just wrap up the show. Okay. I think this has been wonderful. So Derwin, I cannot thank you enough for not being the victim but showing up to get raw, naked, and honest with us. My heart honors your heart, and thank you again. Remember, every life deserves compassion. You don't have to like them. Shit, you don't even have to love them. But every soul deserves compassion. So go out this week and actually give two fucks. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you.